And amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to thank everybody for coming out today. Uh, considering the weekend, everybody's here. Maybe uh, gas is a little too expensive and we can't drive anywhere. So I'm glad you were able to get here. My name is Pastor Gus. For those who do not know me, I am one of the pastors in this church. And I am so honored and blessed to be part of this movement, and that's what it is. It is a movement. It is an opportunity to reach those who are far from Christ with the credible gospel, because that's what it is. It's good news for all of us. Amen? I want to talk to you about something that for me is near and dear to my heart, so when I was asked to speak, I wanted to be able to um, speak from a place, obviously, of experience um, that I've been going through in the last few months. But I'm grateful for, again, the opportunity of the leadership in this place, the, the work that goes on. I, I didn't realize there were so many kids up here. You know, I, you know, so I'm, it's kind of a heads up for me what I got to do on, on Wednesday uh, as I go out and teach. But my kids are a lot older. I teach high school, so keep praying for me. Um, yeah, I keep pushing for uniforms, but no one wants to give them uniforms. So I anticipate that Wednesday is going to be a fashion show. So. Um, I want to share with you, and the big idea, and I want to give it to you at the very beginning, is in, in God, we must trust. No matter what it is, no matter what you're going through, you must trust in God at the end of the day. So I want to start out by this. Who do you know that is trustworthy? I mean really trustworthy. Do you know anyone that you can trust with your life, with your money, with your home? If you do, then you know there's a special bond between you and that person. One of the reasons you're able to trust another so much is because of the character of that person. You can't trust a thief or a liar. I don't know why you still do. But you can trust someone who has a track record of integrity, honesty, and faithfulness. So, in a very real sense, trust is only as good as the one you put it in. I'll say that again. In a very real sense, Trust is only as good as the one you put it in. It is a custom in our church to read the scripture for the day, so I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want us to read this out loud, and I want you to focus on the I wills. Amen? So at the count of three, it's just one scripture. You won't be standing long. But Isaiah sends us a very powerful message about what would happen to those and why we need to know this. Why it's so imperative for us to know that trusting in the Lord, what it would do for us. Amen? Amen. So at the count of three, let's read this out loud, all right? One, two, three. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. May God bless his word. Amen? I am the sitting pastor, so I sit. For various reasons, I am the older of the pastors. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody else? <laughs> Thank you. There will come a moment in your life when you will have to trust in God. Now, these moments will come suddenly or gradually. You may not see them or comprehend them. Your anxiety level will shoot through the roof. Doubt will come in like a wave in a storm. Everything about that moment will scream for you to run, to give up and throw in the towel and reach for the familiar. Moments like this come uninvited and with them bring this challenge. What am I going to do now? I don't sit here having a deeper understanding of life than you do, but I have a roadmap. It's God's word. It shows me how to avoid the snares of the fowler, quench the fiery dogs. It reminds me of promises. And promises not made by man, but by God himself. And one of these promises is, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And for me, that's... It's a promise like this that helps me to trust in the Lord 
no matter how difficult things get for me, no matter how overwhelming they may be, no matter how bleak it may look. The stories of saints past and present who have stood and waited and honored God, that even when things became difficult, they chose to trust, chose to kneel rather than run or hide. There is a story in the Bible, it's the story of Joseph. And I want to kind of share it with you a little bit. But, but it's important for you to understand because, and I'm going to do something different. I'm going to give you the end of his story rather than the beginning. Because a lot of us would like to skip whatever it is you're going through, whatever difficulty, whatever pain, whatever situation that you find yourself in. You're like, God, can you quickly get to the end? Because everybody keeps telling me that you're doing something, but I don't see it. I don't feel it. And, and it's so overwhelming that I don't think you can do what needs to get done here. And, and with Joseph's story, it's an amazing story. And it's found in um, Genesis chapter, I'm going to go to the part where, obviously, and again, I'm going to take my glasses out, okay? Is that all right with you guys? There we go. I'm taking you to the end of the story so that you can see how it is and what happens. Now it says, as they discuss who should be appointed for the job, Pharaoh said, who could do it better than Joseph? For he is a man who is obviously filled with the spirit of God. And turning to Joseph, Pharaoh said, since God has revealed the meaning of dreams to you, you are the wisest man in the land. I hereby appoint you to direct this project. You will manage my household and organize all my people. Only I will have a rank higher than yours. I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh placed his own signet ring on Joseph's finger as a symbol of his authority. He dressed him in a beautiful clothing and placed the royal gold chain about his neck. Pharaoh also gave Joseph the chariot of his second in command, and wherever he went to command, it was shouted, kneel down. So Joseph was put in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am the king, but no one will move a hand or a foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. This is the end of what I'm about to share with you. Joseph had a dream. As a young man growing up, 17 years old, he had a dream and he shared it with his brothers. And in this dream, God revealed to him that his brothers, not only his brothers, he had another dream, and his father and mother would eventually bow down to him at 17. The brothers became extremely jealous of this. Not only that, but the father singled him out and gave him this wonderful coat that kind of made him stick out and made him really the favorite. It was obvious. Now, parents, be very conscious as you interact with your children. So he, he elevated above all the other brothers, and the brothers became really je jealous, and within them, hate began to brew, and they concocted this plan to do away with him. Now, that, that for me is always amazing, but I'm telling you the story because you see how it ends. You see how it ends further down and I'm sure that as Joseph begins to experience this he doesn't see the end but he's trusting in the Lord he, he doesn't know what's coming the circumstances are so bleak so overwhelming that I'm sure that he, he cries his brothers snatch him up tear the coat off of him put blood on it throw him in this ditch this dark little hole in the side We're gonna, we gotta get rid of this guy we're, we're tired of this guy and in this hole, obviously, God is in charge here. But in that moment, I don't know if Joseph was trusting God. I don't know of him crying and screaming, brothers, why are you doing this to me? He didn't see himself yet second in command in the kingdom. He saw himself in the darkness of this hole. And it's in moments like that when we find ourselves in these dark holes in our lives where the walls seem to be pressing in and things are happening that we have to, we must trust in the Lord. In 
Joseph, obviously, his brothers, one of them decides, you know, you know God moves on him and, and he decides, no, we're, we're going to do something different. I can't, you know, I can't have the guilt of my brother's death. So there is this caravan of, of, of you know, people just coming by and they decide, you know what, let's sell him. He takes him out of there and he sells the brother and the brother, look at the movement. Now the, bro the brothers sell him, the other brothers come back and where is he? He's moving. He now winds up in this guy by the name of Potiphar. He is one of the generals of Egypt and uh, he buys him of the slave block and he takes him into his home. And that's great, you think. And his home, he puts him in charge of everything. God is with him. He continues to trust in the Lord because God just took him out of this dark moment. And I got to tell you something. There have been moments in your life where God has taken you out of some dark moments. And whatever it is that you're experiencing now, you think that he is not able? Go back. Go back to your history. Go back to where you were. There is nothing impossible for God. And no matter how bleak the situation looks, no matter how difficult it looks, no matter what the circumstances tells you and screams about, you have to be able to trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Joseph now is in Potiphar's house. He's being blessed. Potiphar loves this guy. He's just taking care. Potiphar doesn't have to do anything but lay back and allow him to run his house. But of course, in his house, he has a wife. And his wife now catches this young man. Not only is he um, efficient, Effective, great organizer, but he's also very attractive. And part of her is away a lot, so she makes a move on him. It's a very powerful moment there because there's no one around. It's been set up so that there's no one around, and the words that come out of Joseph's mouth are so profound. He says, I can't do this. I'm paraphrasing. I can't offend my God. And he flees, and she grabs his coat, and he runs off, and she screams rape. And Potiphar comes back, and he gets thrown in jail. You see, I read the end, because a lot of us want to rush to the end. Well, how will our faith grow in the moments of our lives where God is doing something for us? He's building character in us. He's, he's reminding us that I am faithful. You can trust me. I am not mad that I will lie to you. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. I will be with you. He goes off and he's doing this. The Potiphar comes home and he's like, oh, I can't believe this. Everything's going so great. You know what? He kind of gets a feeling something's not right, but he's got to honor his wife. And he throws Joseph in jail. And there he goes, from having a dream, to being hated, to getting a job, to being in jail. And now in jail, he finds himself again, God is with him. The Bible says that there are no riots, there are no gang fights, there is no problem with, you know, uh, the food or commissary, everything's beautiful. The correction officer is saying, man, we... We're going to lose our job if this guy keeps doing what he's doing in here. Because God is with him. Now listen to me. Pause for a moment. Your life needs to be lived in mission. Wherever you are, you must shine as the light that you're supposed to be. Where, wherever you are, you come in to dispel the darkness that engulfs the very place that you're in. But you have to do that by being the light of this world. And so Joseph finds himself just, you know, obviously just trusting in the Lord. Say, I don't know why this is going on, God. I don't, you know, I have no idea why this is happening. If you look at Job's life, you see the same situation going on with him, even to the point where his friends say, you must have done something wrong. Listen to me. Things happen. It's not because you've done anything wrong. Things happen. Life happens. It comes uninvited. These moments just come uninvited. So, so don't beat yourself up thinking, man, if I would have done this back there or this back here, if I would have done this, if I would have prayed more, if I would have kneeled down more, if I would have flogged myself, if I would have climbed Mount Everest, maybe I would be blessed. You are blessed simply because of the cross. You are blessed because of Jesus Christ. 
You are blessed because God himself saw fit and looked across the landscape and didn't see anybody worthy enough to take on the sins of this world, your sin, my sin, and came himself. Left this heavenly throne, let the comforts of heaven to be uncomfortable for you. And Joseph finds himself in jail, but in jail, the gift that God gives him continues to operate. Not only is he operating in humility, but he's also this dreamer. He had a dream about what God was going to do. And, and along comes these two guys, and he interprets their dreams, and one is going to be restored, and the other one, whoop, sorry. I got to tell you the truth. You ain't going to make it, Pop. And it winds up being that way. That guy gets freed. The other guy winds up being executed, gets into the house, and he says, listen, remember, remember me when you get restored. Remember me. And the guy says, sure, I remember you. Sure, I remember you. You ever been through that? When someone, you do someone a favor and you say, hey, don't forget me. Well, guess what? Two years pass by. Two years go by and this guy doesn't remember him until Pharaoh himself is tormented by this dream that he can't make sense of. And it comes to him. He's quick and he says, hey, I know a guy. Again, two years pass by. And Joseph comes in, remembers, he says, I know a guy, and he shows up, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and Pharaoh is just moved, and that's the scene here that I read to you. Dreamer, dark hole, sold into slavery, in prison, forgotten. I don't know how you feel. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know like where you might be or what the things are happening, what challenges are going on in your life. But God may not shield you from your hardships, but he will use you through them if you let him, if you trust in him. I'm going to read the same scripture I read to open up this service, but I'm going to read it out of the message. And just listen to what it says. It says, why would you ever complain Gus, or wine, Gus, saying God has lost track of me. Now, all I did was put my name there, and you can do the same. It says, oh, Jacob, and it says, Israel. We have a natural inclination to complain and wine. God has lost track of me. That's what we say in our conversation. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strengths to dropouts. For even young people tie and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. I don't know how you're feeling today. I don't know if you're feeling tired. I don't know if it's overwhelming. Whether it's relationships or finances. Maybe the doctors, you know, maybe the medication is not kicking in the way you want it to. Maybe things are just happening. But you must trust in the Lord. No matter what it is, because he, listen, he doesn't pause to catch his breath. He knows everything. This is, again, you're putting your trust in someone who is faithful. Someone who has made a promise not to forsake you, not to abandon you, but to be with you. Listen, you think that the one that gave Joseph the dream wasn't with him in that dark pit? You think the one that gave him the dream wasn't the one that was in prison with him? Yes. Yes. And he's the same one that is with you right now in this moment, in this pivotal challenge, circumstance in your life. It's one thing to trust God when everything is going well. <laughs> It's one thing when you got money in your pocket and everybody loves you and 
you know, a nice roof over your head and all that stuff. But let God begin to allow you to be touched and see your response. See if in God we will trust. To, to see if, if, you know, God, I don't know what you're doing. I, I can't understand it. I can't see it. I can't comprehend it. But I know, I know that you're doing something here. And again, God may not shield you from your hardships, but he will use you through them if you let him, if you trust him. It says, but those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. You will keep pace, your pace. It's important for us to understand that this particular walk in our lives is not for the swift. Those who just like to bolt out in front and say, oh, catch up, catch up. And I'm like, go ahead, I'll, I'll get there. It's important for us that it's for those who persevere, for those who endure, for those who continue to press forward. Amen? And 1 Peter chapter 1, 6, 8 says this, but truly glad, be truly glad, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Again, it's okay to have faith when everything's going right. But what about when things are not going right? When you don't understand why this happens, or this occurs, or this situation is coming to your life. And God may not remove you from those hardships, but he'll use you through them if you let him. It goes on, it is, your faith is, is being tested as fire tests and purifies go, though your faith is far more precious than mere go. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you have never seen him. But you do not see him now. You trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. That was Thomas' issue. Thomas needed to see him. And the words that come, blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. That's trusting. That's not trusting in the person next to you, but not trusting in me because as man, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to fail you. you. You have to understand that. I'm flawed. I'm frail. I'm a marjar clay. You know, I have issues. You know, these things are going to happen, but if you keep your eyes on the Lord, if you continue to trust in Jesus Christ, no matter what it is you're going through, that you will hold on. Listen, find a verse, find a song, find something that you can hold on to in the midst of whatever you're going through. For me is, I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. I'll always be with you. And there's no place that I'm going to, you know, that you're going to go that you have not already gone before me. God has already gone before me. I just got to be able to look and find him in that moment. I got to be able to step back away from the painting so I can see the big picture here. God is not finished with me yet. God is not done here. He has promised, you know, he has given me this vision of heaven. Jesus has gone to prepare this place for us so that us, we, all of us here who believe can one day also be you know you're going to spend more of an eternity, more of your life is going to be spent after you're gone than while you're here. I was telling men the other day that you're auditioning for heaven. You know what we're going to be doing in heaven? Worshipping. Worshipping. And some of you worship like this. Oh, you got a two-step going on. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Rejoice in God. Celebrate him. A lot of you, you know, you, you, you probably think, man, I can't sing. It's okay. The person next to you can. 
That's why we have a choir in this room. Just stand next to someone who can sing. Oh, they can sing. Okay, and then you can yell all you want. So it's important for us to realize that we are auditioning for this place that's been prepared for us. And those who persevere, those who trust in the Lord, the Bible says, will renew their strength. They will soar wings of eagle. I mean, that is powerful. It's not that you're an eagle, but think how high an eagle is above everything else. And it gives you a perspective of what's going on. So your finances are not what they're supposed to be. Your relationship is not what it's supposed to be. But if you can get a view that an eagle gets, if you can get the view that God has, that he's going to keep moving and putting things in place to get you where he needs to get you to, so that at the end of the day, he gets the glory. And you get a testimony. You get an opportunity to tell people how you made it. You get an opportunity to tell people, listen, come here, I'm going to tell you how I made it. It wasn't the program. It wasn't the medicine. It wasn't the loan. It was Jesus Christ. It was the power of Christ coming into my life and transforming me and allowing me to realize that in the past, I trusted in man. In the past, I rely on others. Today, I trust in the Lord. Today, I, I, I trust in God. In the person of Jesus Christ. I remember when I first started coming around as, as a believer and, and, you know, we struggled and financially, you know, I, I just, you know, we, 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 we went from here to there and it's God's trajectory just to get us to, to where we needed to be and to look up. But I, I could remember as, as the challenges came in, it was like, what do I do now? And, it, and I began to reach in my mind for the familiar. I said, well, you know, God, if I make a phone call, you know, if I call this person, you know, I, if I make this move, you know, I'll come back. Don't worry about it. I'll come back. Just let me go out for a day. Let me, let me clear off this debt. Let me take care of this, and then I'll be back. And then I realized as God and God's word came into my life that that's not what he has intended for us. That, that through our situation, through the challenges of our life, God is doing something. For our faith, for our character, for our total reliance on him. And there are plenty of stories in the Bible. The story of Ruth and Naomi is, a, is another story that, that you look at. You know, she, this woman suddenly lost her husband, her, her sons. Like, really? <laughs> like, who does that? Okay, let's go, let's move. And then all of a sudden, boom, your husband's there. Boom, your son. And you're left. And at that time, because it's a, you know, a, you know, patriarchal society, you know, the, the, the kids are supposed to take care of the mother. Now, who takes care of her? Guess what? God took care of her. Like God will take care of you. So rather than running to man, rather than running to someone to kind of get you out of that situation, my prayer today is that you would allow yourself to just lean a little bit more towards him. That you would trust a little bit more in him. And you say, Pastor, that's easy for you to say, you know, because you're up there on, you know, on the stage. No, it's not. It's not. My family has had three or four months of, I don't understand. I don't see it. I don't comprehend it. But I have to believe and trust that God is doing something that I can't see right now. I got to stay on my knees. I got to stay on my face. I got to be still and know that he is God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. In your bulletins, there, there is a sermon map, and there are three blank spaces that I want us to fill in together, accompanied with scriptures as we continue here. The first one is found in Psalm 33:21, and it answers the question, in who should I trust? Psalm 33, 21 says, In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. And who should I trust? Jesus. Yes, Jesus. 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 For right now, some of you are fumbling for a pen. Use your mascara and your lipstick. It works just as well. In him our hearts rejoice. 
But we trust in his holy name. There is no other name in which men will be saved except the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance. There is healing. Uh, anything you want or need, it's found in the name of Jesus. But let me just put it out there. You need to know Jesus. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, don't you go around using your Jesus card because it's not going to work. If you're interested in finding out how that worked out for a couple of people who just didn't know Jesus in the Bible, a couple of people try to use the name of Jesus without knowing Jesus, and they got web stripped naked and chased through the hall. So it's important for us to know Jesus. It's not a cutout of Jesus and take a picture. It's not a cross around your neck or a tattoo on your neck or a shirt. It is a personal relationship that you must have with Jesus Christ. And that is birth in you trusting Jesus. That is birth in relying in Jesus. Having a relationship, not something you throw just to make it taste good. You know, like sometimes we take salt and pepper to make things taste. No, Jesus is not this condiment that we use to add flavor to our lives. No, he is our lives. The Bible says that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? When should I trust? Psalm 56.4 says, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? So when do I trust? Always. You're a good group. This is going to make it easy for me. Always. Always, no matter what, no matter what's going on, no matter when the situation, no matter what's happening, I am going to trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to lean on his bosom. No matter what's going on, no matter what seems to be going on, I am going to trust in Jesus Christ. Guys, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to what I was, used to be, used to do. I don't, I don't, whatever's going on, no matter what, you know, we, we use a term around here, no matter what, we don't pick up. No matter what. No matter what's going on in your life, that's the last thing you want to do. Don't reach for the familiar. No matter what, you just don't. Because one is not going to be enough. And, you, and some of us may not make it back. So, so I'm beseeching you, brethren. I am begging you. Whatever it is, just stand. Stand. Even if you have to tie something around your waist and tie it to the radiator at home so that you don't leave. You got to handcuff. Whatever you got to do. Stand. Stay. Lean into him. Trust in him. Amen. How should I trust? Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Some of us are too smart in this room. <laughs> we, we, we got degrees that we've gotten online with a couple of courses. And we are really some smart people. The Bible reminds me not to lean on my own understanding because I'm limited in what I can not only see or know. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I only know about today. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, you only know about this moment right now. You don't know about any other moment. You don't know about any other moment. Life, it just, man, it could just happen in a moment. Some of us are very confident that we are secure into our future. I'm secure about my future. Whether I'm here or I'm not, I'm secure about my future. My future is in his hands. My life is in his hands. I'm going to trust in the Lord. Whatever comes, I'm just going to trust the Lord. And I'm not, I'm not going to precipitate anything. I'm not going to put my, you know, two cents into things. I'm not going to try to manipulate or finagle or, or, or try to make some moves here. I'm simply going to trust in God. And I tell the men all the time, listen, obedience doesn't feel good. Being obedient doesn't feel good. Turning the other cheek doesn't feel good. And seeking forgiveness from those people that have offended you doesn't feel good. Being quiet when you have so much to say. Giving the answer when you know that it's as simple as just turning the key. And sometimes God just says, shh, be still. 
and know that I am God. Let my spirit just hover over and bring order to this chaos. Let my spirit which dwells within my people just quicken them and remind them. And it's so important for you to be in God's word, for you to be in prayer. There's a great movie out that everybody should be seeing. The ladies just recently went to see it. It talks uh, the war room, right? It talks about prayer strategy and how you need to, you know, not just this frivolous prayer that some of us pray over our food or, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. No, having a strategy to your prayer and praying it consistently and fervently day in and day out until God answers. I love the scene in the Bible where Jacob just wrestles with God and says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And you have to see the scene because he wrestles with, with, with the angel of God and he's wrestling and, and the angel says, I got to go back. And he says, you ain't leaving until you bless me. I'm about to face my brother and he's threatening to kill me. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I don't feel like dying right now. And, 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 and he wrestles with him to the point where in order for the angel to cut himself loose from him, he smacks him in the hip. And for the rest of his life, he walks around like this. But he's happy as heck. Happy as heck. Walks with a limp. Some of us need to walk with a limp. Some of us need to hold on to God until he blesses us. Because at the end of the day, man, listen, walking with that limp is a lot better than walking in those six-inch heels that you've been walking in. And I was talking to the men. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can edit that later. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'll ask for forgiveness right before we do communion. There are 7,957 verses in the New Testament. And 23,145 in the Old Testament. That's a total of 31,102, right around there. And at the very center of all these verses, 6 Psalm 118.8. What do you think this verse says? What do you think it says? Here's what it says. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. At the very center of from Genesis to Revelation, think about this. The author of this penned this right in the center as you open your Bible and find Psalm 118.8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Now, a lot of you probably leave this place and says, I'm never trusting you again. That's not what we're saying. Your trust is only as good as the one you put it in. And if this person, this earthly person, has a track record of being unreliable, unstable, inconsistent, a liar, a thief, you fill in the blanks. Okay? There's no reason for you to continue to trust in him. It's why you're so disappointed so often. It is time for you to take your trust from a person who has proven that they're going to disappoint you and place it on one who will never disappoint you. Never disappoint you. And it's that simple. It's just, and, and, and it's just again, it's about repentance, really. It's about repentance because it's really a sin for you to trust in someone that you just know is, is, has not a track record. Like you, you can see their resume. You know, 1922, you know, lied, 1935, lied, uh, stole, you know. And, and you figured, you know, hey, you know, the person can change. Yeah, but not on your watch. Not at your expense. You have to let that person change there before you can begin to have a relationship again with that person. Otherwise, they will swallow you into their lie and web 
of, of you know, their life of lying and, and whatever it is, the chaos, right? The, the mess. Joseph was given a dream. He didn't wind up immediately being transcended into this place of second in command. Where wherever he went, it was shouted, kneel down. He drove this chariot, assigned it, and put on him the finest clothes and made him responsible for everything. He went through this, this bump, this dip, this, these valleys. But you know, the God in the mountaintops is the same God in the valley of, same God. The same God that was with Joseph is the same God that is with you. You just have to realize that at the end of the day, man, who am I going to trust in? Who am I going to trust in to provide for me? Uh, to make, you know, when, when, you know, to open that door, to close that door, to, to allow me to see things for what they really are. Now, like, how often do you take a look at something and you say, man, God, this got to change. And, and it doesn't change right away. And this is just, it doesn't happen immediately. What do you do then? You reach for what you used to do, knew how to do, and you figured this is going to fix it? Because listen, the minute you come into this faith walk, the minute you say yes to Jesus, your life is no longer your own. He's got a path that he has set before you, and you need to travel it. What you need to do is unload some of this luggage that you have. You got you know, you to cut ties with that. You got to put that down. And, and I know, ladies, you like the matching bags. I know that. But some of the luggage you're carrying, some of the stuff we're carrying, we can't carry on this path. On this road that's been set before us, the, some of the attitudes you have just don't work anymore. It's like a shirt that's just too tight. It's just a, you know, a, a size that you no longer can wear. When you come to Christ, there is this new garment that's placed upon us. It's a new life that's given to us. New opportunity. And I just want to encourage you, man, because, you know, I find myself in that place today. I had a conversation with my wife, a conversation with Pastor Edwin, and it was just, you know, I'm in that place today. But I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm just going to Keep trusting in him and relying on him and waiting on him and knowing that uh, he will never forsake, forsake me nor abandon me. He's always going to be with me. And whatever he allows in my life, he's going to allow me to endure, to bear it. He may not remove me from those hardships, but he's going to use me through them. And I'm grateful for those opportunities. I'm grateful for those opportunities. If, if you are not going through anything as a believer, if you're not experiencing the hardships of life, you need to ask yourself, am I living for the Lord or am I living for me? Because in Christ there will be things that will come into your life that you cannot comprehend, that you cannot understand. And they come uninvited. It's not like you say, come on, pain. Come on, hardship. Come on. Like, like they just come uninvited. And when they come, it, it, you know, it comes with this question, what do I do now? I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. Will you trust in the Lord? Will you allow yourself to just trust in the Lord and allow him to do what he does best. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment as we prepare to take our communion. This comes along with great frequency. <laughs> First Sunday of every month we have an opportunity to come before the Lord and kind of allow him to shine a light in those areas in our lives that still need to be kind of worked on.
As we prepare our hearts and minds for this part of the service and prayer and repentance, I want you to consider that not trusting in the Lord has been a part of your life that too often you seem to be experiencing. We need to repent from that. We need to be able to turn away from that and begin to trust in the Lord. And he will give us the wisdom in the time of plenty to be able to experience those moments where plenty will not be. Prepare ourselves in character and in deed so that he can use us. So I want you to take a moment to examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Because anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body. Like if you're going to do this and you're saying, well, what does it mean to be unworthy? Well, I haven't really repented from what I've been doing. Like I'm, I'm in here right now and I have this, you know, uh, uh, elements in my hand and people are probably going to look at me if I don't take it. It's okay. This is between you and God. You want the power of God in your life. It's not that people will applaud you. It's about you and God. So right now, this moment, the light of God's spirit is shining upon you and saying that argument that you had on the way here. That feeling of unforgiveness that you're experiencing. Those words that were exchanged, that indiscretion that you participated in. It's, I see it. It's hindering my glory being fulfilled in your life. It's keeping the full impact potential that's in you from coming forward Will you trust in me? God says. Will you forsake those things that give you this temporal pleasure for this eternal gift? And maybe you're in this room and you don't know Jesus. You don't understand this part of the service where we have communion. There was a moment when Jesus was sitting at a table with his disciples. And he knew what was coming for him and for them. For some of us, it's referred to as the Last Supper. But it's done with believers, those who believe in Christ and trust in Christ. And if you're in this room and you're a believer in Christ, then repentance is the next step before you take communion. But if you're in this room and you haven't said yes to Jesus, you haven't forsaken this world, you haven't cried out and said, I need you as my Savior because I'm a sinner, then communion is not something you should take because then you're taking it unworthily. I want to encourage you right now, though, and if you don't know Christ, the reason that you're in this room is because he's knocking on the door of your heart. And there's been stuff going on in your life, man, and somehow it's found you, and, and here you are in this room. You didn't show up here by coincidence. You didn't just wander into this building. God led you into this room to extend this invitation and say, I want you, and you need me. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, we want you to partake of this moment. But you're going to have to say yes to Jesus. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, I just want to give you this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And simply by saying yes to Jesus doesn't mean that the heavens are going to open up and the sea is going to part and everybody's going to call you blessed. There's simply going to be this moment, this slight shift 
in which you go from death to life. And your name gets written in the book of life and there's a heavenly choir in heaven that begins to celebrate this moment because it's your birthday. You see, living a life without Christ is walking dead. Not the show, but your life. A life without Christ is not a life that anyone should live. So if you're in this room and you have not said yes to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now just by a show of hands, just raising your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to embrace you. I want to celebrate this moment because it's your birthday. And he's extending an invitation to you. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ and you came here today and it's your first time here and today is your day. So if you just raise your hand, I will pray with you. There'll be people that will love on you. It'll be the beginning of this life that you so desperately have wanted. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as believers, we come to you realizing, Lord, that you are shining a light upon our hearts right now. There are things we have done, things we have said, sins of omission and commission, Lord, that we need to be able to come to you right now and through the spirit of repentance be able to say, Lord, forgive me. I need you more than I need anything else and I have strayed from the center leaned on another's bosom rather than yours and Lord so I pray that as we examine ourselves and we honor you in this moment that you would come into those areas in our lives that we are so lacking and be empowered by your spirit engulfed with your love and Lord if there's someone here that doesn't know you I pray that they would say yes to you if they would acknowledge that they are a sinner in need of a savior and that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way, oh God. 